Good evening. Welcome to Wednesday Evening Chapel. We are three weeks away from finishing up the winter term. Good job. Turn to somebody next to you and tell them you're going to make it. You can do it. You're going to make it. You can do it. We're here trusting in the Lord. Uh, tonight, Associated Student Government is going to be sharing with us and uh, encouraging us this evening. But we want to begin with songs of praise, praising God of His faithfulness. Stand with me as we, as we begin our time of worship and song. In Deuteronomy, Moses encourages the Israelites, and he reminds them, he says, Be strong and courageous, he says, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Aren't you glad we serve a God that is faithful and will never leave us nor forsake us? Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, our Lord, our God, Father, we thank you for that wonderful faithfulness. That faithfulness, God, that brings us through the times, God, when we think we can't make it. Lord God, you are always there with us. We thank you for that, God. Tonight, Father, we're going to hear different testimonies. Lord, you already know about them. Testimonies from different people, God, who have been through different things, God, but can speak of your wonderful, wonderful faithfulness, God, and how you've been with them every step of the way. So tonight, God, let everything be done in this service, Father, be done for your glory, your glory alone, Father, for there is no other who deserves it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, for those of you who don't know, I'm John McGee. I'm the Vice President for Spiritual Life for the Associated Student Government. And just to take care of some business real quick, let you know about some things that are coming up with the student government. Uh, Saturday morning, here on campus at 9 o'clock over in Williamson Building, we're having a Nazarene Bible College family prayer breakfast. And that's for everybody involved with the college. Students, staff, faculty, administration, everybody. Just a time for us to come together as a family, enjoy some great food, have some great times. And then Sunday, I've heard something about a football game going on. We're having a Super Bowl party here on campus also. I think we're going to open the doors at 3 o'clock. Yeah, we're going to open the doors at 3 o'clock. Um, there's going to be pizza. There's going to be snacks. There's going to be drinks. There's going to be uh, about an 80-inch screen that the television game is going to be showed on if we can get the projector working right. And I promise you all, if you all haven't had fun, you need to come to a Super Bowl party here at the college because I know that guy right over there in the back corner gets awful loud depending on who's playing. <laughs> So that's just a couple of things coming up. But tonight, I know winter trimester is a tough trimester for us. You know, it's, it always seems great because we think, hey, Christmas. Well, then Christmas ends, and what comes next? We're stuck here for eight or nine weeks in class every night. We get up and go to work in the morning, and then by the time we get out of work, the sun's down, so we keep wondering what that strange yellow thing in the sky is on those rare occasions we get to see it. <laughs> and I just know it's a rough time. You know, all of us can think there are people that we saw sitting in these chairs at the beginning of the year that aren't here now. There are people we may have seen here now 10 weeks ago that aren't here anymore. And I can tell you, I've, I've been in that position myself. Um, one particular thing that comes to my mind, and it wasn't while I was on campus, it was while I was coming here. It was June 
the evening of June 28, 2009. 10 o'clock that morning, me and my wife had loaded up a yellow Penske truck and left Pelion, South Carolina, heading for a place we'd never been, to a place we didn't know, to a job we didn't have, to a place we didn't stay. But we knew God had called us to this place. Well, at least I knew God had called me. She was still wondering about it. As we drove along, you know, I'd driven from Columbia to Nashville a couple of times, so I knew that. But when I took off out of the north end of Nashville, I was in totally unexplored territory for me. And we kept driving. The sun started going down, and I went over the, if you've ever driven the interstate from Kentucky into Illinois, there's this bridge that goes over a lake there. And it's a real pretty bridge. But when I started crossing to Illinois, I started hearing questions in the back of my head. I said, what are you doing? You've got your wife and your 10-year-old your daughter behind you in your van. You're up here in the truck. But what have you left behind? You have a son who just graduated high school. You have a daughter who's about to start her senior year of high school. You've broken your family in half. You don't know where you're going. You don't know what you're going to do. You don't know where you're going to live. You don't even know if you're going to make it in this school. And I realized who was doing that. I knew that I had stepped out in total faith on what God had for me, and Satan was doing everything he could to try to block me. And as we drove over that bridge and got into Illinois, I started to cry. Because I really started having doubts about what am I doing? I could turn this truck around and in 14 hours be back in my driveway at my house. I knew I could do that, but I also knew if I did that, I would be giving up on everything God had for me. So, of course, I'm driving up this interstate, no idea where I'm going, tears streaming down my face, can't see. Cats are over sitting in the cage next to me in the truck wondering what's going on. And by that time, my phone rings. It's my wife. Where are we going to stop for dinner? I don't know where we're going to stop for dinner. What's wrong? Nothing. <laughs> but through that and through our time here, we got here, no jobs, for five months. And in all that time, you know, we, we had people provide for us as God led them to provide for us. In those five months, we always had a roof over our head. We always had food on our table, as you can probably tell. We always had our lights on. We always had our phones. Because even through that, with no income, we trusted in the Lord with all our heart and leaned not on our understanding. And he directed our paths. You know, that, that verse in some of the translations says that he will make your paths straight. I don't know if I like that, because I can tell you one thing. The path I've been on has been anything but straight. It's had curves, it's had ups, it's had downs, it's reversed on itself a couple of times and started going forward again. But through it all, through trusting in him, he's led me on that path. So tonight as you hear these stories, maybe you're sitting out there wondering, am I, am I in the right place? Maybe if it's your, your first year here, you're wondering, am I where I'm supposed to be? Maybe if it's your second year here, you're wondering, am I ever going to make it through this? 
Maybe if, like me, you're a junior and you're just sitting there going, God, can this get over quick enough? <laughs> or you're sitting out there tonight as a senior going, see ya, peace. <laughs> but maybe tonight, God, is, maybe tonight you have some questions in your mind. Can you make it? As you hear these stories from my fellow ASG members tonight, we've all been there. We've all had the questions. So tonight, find strength in these stories you hear from, as you hear from each of us. And remember, trust in God with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. So I'm going to call Greg Niver, our ASG president, to come up here and now share with you. Evening. Um, I just want to I want to share a little bit with you. First off, I was going to bring something with me and I forgot to bring it. Um, everybody kept asking me, "Where's where's that hairpiece? Where's your hairpiece?" I was going to bring it just so that those of you that didn't see me couldn't, you know, maybe you couldn't recognize me in this, the way I'm dressed, you know, yeah. Um, so <clears throat> I was supposed to tell you that Sarah Branson has some blackmail photos, I think, on Facebook. Um, I don't know. Anyway, um, I, my, my story starts out a little easier than most people's does. Well, I don't want to say most, but... I knew my call. I knew God had called me. There was no doubt in my mind and in my heart that God had called me. I just wasn't sure how it was going to live out. Um, until my wife and one of my pastor mentors <laughs> strongholded me into a corner and says, so what are you going to do now? <laughs> um, go to school? <laughs> um, anyways, he and the pastor mentor, he's a, he's a uh, full-blooded Cherokee Indian, and he's ex-state trooper, and yeah, there probably wasn't any chance of me wrestling out of that one. Um, well, and my wife, she's, and she's, she's just scary. Um, <laughs> anyways, thank God she stayed home. Um, anyway, yeah, somebody's, somebody's going to tell her, great. All right, so... But I, I knew the call. I knew God had called me, and I, and I knew that I was going to do something. Um, so when I, when I had finally decided to move out here, um, I had everything planned. I knew that I was going to move out here, so I had an apartment already. Um, I didn't have a job, but that was because God had blessed me with getting laid off from my present job back home. And I was living off of un unemployment. Well, then God gave me this great thing of an extension. And then another extension. So I had collected unemployment for a year before I actually had to go to work, which was kind of nice. Um, but then it started to lay on, you know, and just not being able to do anything or having anything to do was kind of strenuous. But so the, the struggle once I got out here wasn't so bad as far as that goes. Um, I, I did bring, when I moved out here, I was driving a 1985, no, sorry, 1995 Ford F-150 fully loaded down with all the stuff in the back. And we hit about halfway across Kansas, and my truck did the strangest thing. It just it decided it didn't want any more transmission fluid and just spewed it all out onto the ground. Now, I wasn't really sure why. Um, 
I don't know, maybe it was drinking heavily the night before, and it just got sick. But I pulled off the exit, and my son was, my 18-year-old son was behind me at the time, and he, he said he just saw this, and this big puff of smoke out from under the truck. So we pulled in the truck stop, and it's just, it's spewing out tranny fluid, and I'm, I'm dumping it all back in as it's cooling off. We go down the road another, I don't know, hour, hour and a half, and it did it again. I mean, just everywhere, all over the ground. So I pulled in, I cooled it off, I dumped another couple of gallons, however much it was coming out of it. I, three times, three times my truck spewed all of its transmission fluid onto the ground, and I drove that truck <clears throat> up until, and this was in 2009, and the truck had like 215,000 miles on it. And I drove it up until just about not even a year ago after it spewed out the tranny fluid. Anyways, that was probably my worst moment driving out here. Well, the other part of that, the side where, it, where I struggled, I think, the most was because me and my, my, my son were the only two that come out here. Um, my wife and our not so newly born son, but he was only two at the time, they stayed back because our youngest daughter was going through high school and she was going through all the things that my wife wanted to be there for her for. So she decided that I'm going to let you go out here by yourself. You should be fine. Everything will be okay. You'll be, you know, don't worry about it. And I'm going to stay back here, take care of business, and we'll come out. They were going to come out. I come out here in February. They were going to come out in April. Okay. So from February to April, I didn't know anybody. I didn't know what was going to happen. I mean, I've been out of, I've been out of high school for years. <laughs> and, and I refused to go to college. I was not going to be a higher education person. There was no, no way. So for this experience, it was absolutely, absolutely uh, new to me. And, and I didn't have her. I had no support whatsoever as far as she was concerned because, well, I'm not going to say I didn't have support, okay, because I knew she was back there. I knew she was thinking about me. I knew she was praying. I knew she had people praying for me. And I'm not going to ever encourage this, but I'm not going to discourage what we did either because a lot of people back home, even friends of ours, they said, you guys are nuts to be separated for so long and so far apart. There's no way your marriage is going to last through this. You're going to struggle through this. That's why I wouldn't encourage it. But I'm not going to discourage it because I think our marriage grew more than we ever expected it to grow over that three-month period. I mean, there are things that we didn't realize about each other until we were actually that far apart from each other. There were things that we appreciated more for being that far apart. And, and I know that's pretty common, you know, because you do learn to appreciate things more when you're not, you know, when there is absence. But when there's a lot of absence like that, I mean, we're talking 2,600 miles. No, 1,500 miles, whatever. 26 hours, that's what it is. 26-hour drive. But, but when you're talking about that kind of stuff, it's, you can't just sit there and say, oh, it'll be fine. You know, you can just talk on the phone. Or you can Skype. I'm here to tell you, it's not the same. Because when you lay down at night and you're expecting to be, you know, either jumped on by your two-year-old son or you're expecting your wife to roll over and look at you and say, I love you, and you don't have that, it's hard. It's absolutely devastating sometimes. And I'm, there was more than one time that I cried myself to sleep. There were times, matter of fact, before I even left my hometown, 
I was crying so hard, I couldn't see the road. I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know what to do. I called her up, and, and it was like 5 o'clock in the morning when I left. And I called her up on the phone, and she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm coming home. <laughs> no, you're not. You're going to Colorado. No, no, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I don't want to. I, seriously, I, it was horrible. It was horrible. And I, I just, every, I mean, every orifice was just leaking. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Why should I have to put myself through this? And all I could think of was, was that if I had to face those people, if I had to face those people after I had told them that I knew that I was absolutely called to go to school for God's sake, if I had to look at them, it would be as bad as, I mean, because I could picture God. I could picture him looking at me like, seriously, that's the best you could give me. Two miles from your house? Really? I knew I expected less of you, but this is ridiculous. So, you know, I mean, I, I, put, I was like, absolutely, I'm gone. I'm gone. So, you know, but when we, got to, when we got to finally see each other for the first time, I mean, we talked. And, and the nice thing was, was we decided that we were going to keep journals. She was going to keep one on her end with her experiences, and she, I was going to keep on mine. And she's like, you know, writing stuff down. When we compared stuff, I mean, it was just, it was like we were learning each other all over again. And that was the honest, that was awesome. So my thing to you is, is that, you know, relationships, value the relationship, no matter what it is, whether it's a distant one or a close one. And you know, with our relationship with God, it's sometimes it's a distant one, sometimes it's a close one. Appreciate the relationship, no matter who's the other partner. Absolutely, the relationship is the key. All right, I'm done, I'm out. I've noticed two things happen regularly when I'm here. If I'm distracted, I doubt. If you notice that every winter, you know what I mean. <laughs> I mean, I know that I'm supposed to be here and I'm supposed to take the classes I'm taking, but the big question is when after I walk, you know, in that cap and gown, get my diploma, all that jazz, then what happens? What happens after that? Where will I apply? Who will I contact? Who will want to hire me? How will I meet people's needs? How will I fulfill the calling that God gave me? Well, you know, I'm often distracted with that. And then I doubt, am I really going about this the way I need to? Am I going in the direction that I need to? I mean, are you sure? <laughs> but, you know, every time God tells me, it's okay, I got this covered. Just because you can't understand me doesn't mean you have to doubt my goodness. And it's taken me a while to really remind myself of that. And the thing is, you have to focus on the now. I know the future is important, but he'll tell you what you need to know when you need to know it. That's part of, well, that's one of the many reasons why I'm still here. I've had those doubts, but he's told me, Katie, just follow me one bit at a time. Just follow me with every step of the way, and you'll be fine. I'm directing you. It's all going to work out. And that's something that you're going to have to remind yourself, especially during the end of this trimester and when you go into spring. And because winter is the doubting trimester, I mean, 
it's very notorious for that. So if you'll keep that in mind, you know, you'll really have it made. Just give yourself the time, you know, give yourself, you know, air to breathe. Like Greg said, build those relationships. That way you can have the patience of mind to wait. And that way those doubts will dissipate at least a little bit. And that way you'll be more focused on him and not as distracted. So if you'll do that, then, you know, that's just the way to go. And that's what I've done. That's how I keep on going. And that's what I encourage you to do. And if you're having trouble with that, please come to us as the ASG because we're here to serve you. So that's my prayer to you. And God's got it covered. And for a verse, you know, uh, the one verse that's really helped me out is 1 Thessalonians 5:24. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Just give yourself time to see that, to for him to really show that to you. And you'll understand what I'm talking about, even if it's not right now that you understand it. You know, I like that song, Great Is Thy Faithfulness, because God is so faithful. He's always there for us, no matter what we go through. And, you know, they talk about um, trials and tribulations. Mine's got like, I could start back when I left South Carolina, went to Ohio to visit my mom for 10 days. I got to Ohio and I started doubting. And I have a best girlfriend of 50 years, and we got together and we talked and we prayed. And she says, I know you're supposed to go to Colorado. Well, I was prepared to go back to South Carolina, just like John was. And the next morning, I got up and I prayed, and God definitely says, this is where you need to go. So I'm getting in the car, and I call my girlfriend, and I says, guess where I'm going? She goes, you're headed for Colorado. She goes, I knew it. I knew it. That's where God wanted you at. However, since we've been out here, I haven't had a job until started one week ago, Monday. I'm in my seventh day. And God has supplied every one of my needs. Randy and I got married December the 28th last year. It's been a little bit over a year. And you know what? I've always had food in my stomach. I've always had a roof over my head. I've always had gasoline in the car. God has supplied every need that I've ever needed. And he is so faithful and he is so just. And he will see you through. You need to have that faith. And trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not in your own understandings. Because he will direct you. And he will guide you and direct you in the way that you need to go. I'm going to keep this really, really short. Um, I'm preaching next week, so I won't have to go into that. But you're going to go through a lot of distractions in your life. You're going to get distracted by the papers that you write, by the um, assignments that you do, by the lectures that you hear. They're not intended to distract you, but if you let them, they will. And you're going to go, why are you here? Let me give you two verses. Romans cha or, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before us endured the cross, shorning its skein. And it says in verse 3, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful man so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Don't grow weary. Don't lose your heart. You'll get distracted. But friends, there are benefits 
to trusting God. So you've heard from five of us tonight in five different stories. But through it all, you heard how God has carried us, how God has taken us from where we were to where we are now. I hope you find hope in that tonight. I hope God has spoken to you tonight through those stories. And when you find those dark times coming, just know that there is a light. I tell people a lot of the times, if you're looking in darkness, that means you're looking in your shadow. And how do you get a shadow? The light's behind you. Just turn around. That's all you got to do. Turn around and see that light. That is our prayer this evening. We seek you. We focus our eyes on you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your words of encouragement. May we leave from this place, God, encouraged knowing that you are a faithful God. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.